Dear listeners, welcome at this ninth episode of Meet the Experts, the podcast series. And in this series, together with well-known experts from around the globe, we explore challenges and opportunities in the pig veterinary world. And in this episode, we welcome Dr. Marina Sibila from Animal Research Institute Cresa Irta in Catalonia, Spain, with whom we shall discuss the diagnostics of porcine circovirus type 2. The Meet the Expert podcast series is a co-production of Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health and Pig Progress. My name is Vincent Tabeek. I'm editor for Pig Progress. I am the host of today's episode. And present at this podcast is also audiovisual editor Iris Hoffman, without whom this podcast wouldn't be possible. Um, Dr. Marina Sivila has been a researcher at the Centre de Ricerca en Sanitat Animal, or IRTA Cresa, since 2004. And her research line focuses mainly on the epidemiology, diagnosis, animal model development and prevention and treatment strategies of porcine respiratory pathogens, and mainly porcine circoviruses PCV2, PCV3, as well as porcine mycoplasmas. Um, as said, the PCV2 is on the menu today, and in particular the PCV2 diagnosis. And to show you that we're actually having a connection with um, a veterinary faculty because that's where uh, the Cresa Irta is close by. You may hear from time to time dogs barking in the background. Uh, <laughs> welcome, uh, Marina. Welcome to this podcast. Okay, thank you very much, Vincent. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Happy to have you with us. Um, as I said, we are going to talk about PCV2. And yeah, I remember that many years back when I started um, uh, working for Pig Progress, that was when PCV2 was uh, was all over the place, was a, was a, a, a big, big virus. Um, two things that pop up in my mind was that the immune system of pigs were com compromised. And I also remember that sows and piglets had different clinical signs. Help us remember again, PCV2, for all these people who had forgotten about it, what is it again? Okay, so PCV2 is a virus that can infect the pigs, and uh, indeed is an ubiquitous virus. This does mean that we can find it uh, almost in all the farms uh, in the pig production uh, countries. Mm -hmm. But we don't know why uh, in some animals this virus can produce some diseases, but not in all the animals. The animals can be infected without being uh, diseased. This virus has a special tropism for the uh, immune system, and because we are saying that these animals will immunocompromise the, the mm -hmm. pigs, okay? And as you mentioned, this virus can be involved in different diseases depending on the age of the, the animals. The main uh, disease associated to PCV2 is the PCV2 systemic disease, mm -hmm. an effect to piglets uh, during the post-winning uh, age. And in these animals, the main clinical signs you will see in your farms will be wasting, poor door animals, painless of the skin. Um, sometimes you can observe also diarrhea on respiratory problems. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the, the range of uh, clinical signs that you can observe is quite uh, wide. But also, uh, this virus is also related with reproductive problems, mainly uh, late reproductive problems, um, leading to abortion 
symptoms and mummifications uh, in the pharynx, or even return to uh, estrus. But this mm-hmm. is it's not that prevalent as the other one, as the systemic disease. In addition, um, this virus can also be um, involved in other diseases like porcine dermatitis and nephropathies syndrome, but it's not uh, as clear as the other diseases. And um, the most prevalent one is the subclinical infection that maybe if you want, we can uh, talk about it later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that sounds sounds definitely interesting uh, um, to to, to talk about. Um, Just just a little thing, uh, because as I said, I remember that it was all over the place. And whenever I got to congresses, it was PCV2, PCV2, PCV2. Everybody wanted to talk about PCV2. When I get to uh, veterinary congresses these days... Yeah, they do have the odd presentation on PCV2, but to me, it doesn't seem to be top of mind. We seem to have forgotten a little bit about PCV2. Is that your impression as well? Well, the main reason, because we, it seems that we have forgotten them uh, of, of it, is because uh, the vaccines are working really well. I mean, mm-hmm. nowadays in the market, there are several vaccines. Uh, they are working since um, quite a lot of uh, number of years, and they are doing a really good job. Uh, Indeed, the PCV2 vaccines are able to uh, diminish the number of clinical cases, so they have um, reduced um, very importantly the the number of uh, animals that were dying due to this this disease, but they are not able to um, avoid the infection. So this means that the the virus is still on the farms, but not the disease. The disease can can be observed sporadically in some farms, but in the most of them, um, the, the, the virus can be infected, but without getting disease. This, the, yeah, yeah. this is the main reason because we should still vaccinate the animals, but the disease is not the real problem. It's the, it's the, the presence of the virus in the farms. Yeah, so in fact, it is a, a, a good example of a success of a, of a vaccine yes. development. Yes, yes, it mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah. I see. Um, well, if there is one thing that we have learned about viruses also with the recent corona pandemic is that viruses change all the time. And we know influenza virus does it a lot and coronaviruses do. Um, how about PCV2? Is that also mutating? In other words, are we still dealing with the same virus as 15 years ago? Well, you have to take into account that all the virus um, are able to mutate. However, mm-hmm. it depends on the on the type of a virus we are dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Porcine virus as is not the, the 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 one that are mutating the be- the most. Uh, as for example, swine influenzas uh, are able to mutate much more than porcine sarcovirus. Mm-hmm. However, since since the discovery of porcine sarcovirus, there has been um, uh, described different genotypes. Okay, mm-hmm. genotypes is like different strains of the virus that they can be differentiated in different parts of the genome. And up to now, there are nine different genotypes uh, described in the in the farms. However, from these nine, uh, the most prevalent ones are three, A, B, and D, okay? Uh, apart from the other ones. These are mm-hmm. the ones that are circulating in, in our farms, and they are moving depending on the years. When they were described, the first one was specific to A, and because mm-hmm. of that, it was named A. After some years appeared the PCV2B, mm-hmm. and nowadays the most prevalent one is PCV2D. Mm-hmm. And is it possible for farms to have um, well more than one genotype yes. on your farm? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, animals can be inf- infected with more than one genotype. Mm-hmm. However, the most prevalent one in a farm will be only one. 
Mm, Nowadays, in most of them is PCV2D. PCV2D. Okay. Um, if we go a little bit uh, into a publication that you made earlier this year, um, together with Dr. Segales on PCV2 diagnostics, um, you dis um, which described the various subdivisions that PCV2 is known for. Um, but you also mentioned the subclinical infection. Um, well, what happens if the pigs are subclinically infected with PCV2? Is, is that, do you notice anything or what is happening inside the pigs? Okay, so the, the the subclinical infection by PCV2 is the most frequent situation. I mean, yeah. all almost all the pigs will be infected once in a, in once once in a, in during her life of their life. Mm -hmm. Okay, so most of the animals can be infected with PCV2, and uh, you will not notice them. Um, uh, indeed, as I mentioned, PCV2 is an ubiquitous virus and can be found uh, almost in all farms. So it means that there are no negative farms uh, against PCV2 in terms mm -hmm. of infection. But this does not mean that the subclinical infection has not any effect. Uh, mm -hmm. In terms of average daily weight gain, it is known that the subclinically infected animals, that you cannot see any clinical signs on them, uh, some decrease in the average daily weight gain can be observed. And this was discovered mainly due to the vaccination. Uh, when the PCV2 vaccines started to, to be applied, it was seen that uh, the average daily weight gain mm -hmm. was improved, demonstrating that um, when mm -hmm. an animal is infected by PCV2, can have some side effects not uh, observable or not detectable uh, by clinical signs. So it, it, this means that no. it's also important to maintain the PCV2 vaccination, although you don't have any clinical signs at the farm. Okay, so just, just to be absolutely sure, a subclinical infection will not happen if the vaccination strategy is uh, decent. Uh, subclinical infection, I mean, the, the PC2 mm -hmm. vaccines are able to reduce the clinical signs of the diseased animals, but not mm -hmm. the infection. Infection will yeah. occur probably in a, in a lower proportion, but you can have a subclinically infected animals in a vaccinated farm. It's completely normal. It's completely normal. A subclinical yeah. infected animal will not show any clinical signs, but you can have some amount of virus in the tissues if you would analyze them, okay? Yeah, no, but the situation of subclinical infection, can that be um, more or less that I know that the animals will be infected, but uh, does it mean that subclinical signs will can, can kind of disappear if you would vaccinate properly? No, because the subclinical infected animals will not show any clinical sign. Uh-huh. Okay. They will be infected probably, but they will not show any clinical signs. However, is if this amount of virus is really high, mm -hmm. then this animal can develop the disease. If this animal yeah. is vaccinated, probably this increase in the amount of virus will not occur. Because of that, it's important to maintain them vaccinated. I see, I see. Well, um, let us go to the day-to-day -day practice now. Um, in what cases exactly should pig producers investigate if PCV2 is affecting the performance of their pigs? Okay, so uh, if, um, you should um, 
you should study if PCB2 is, is causing problems in your farms. If you have uh, cases of wasting or animals mm -hmm. uh, with a, um, painless of a skin or, or an increase of mortality in post-winning periods or uh, a, a, con a, a, a combination of all these clinical signs, okay? Mm -hmm. Or if you have uh, observed that the average daily weight gain of your batch of animals is not getting um, as as well as you were expecting to. I mean, you can observe that your animals are not uh, growing as as good as you were waiting for. Mm -hmm. Then you should um, you could start a, a suspecting of PCB2, and you could try to establish a diagnosis for this uh, disease or infection. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's different to study the infection or to study the disease. Okay, it's because the the infection probably you have it in your farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. And uh, if we would have a, a hypothetical situation here, um, the pigs have been vaccinated for PCV2 uh, at weaning. Um, then at what moment the, the, the producer should be best check if PCV2 disease might be a problem? Okay. If you think that uh, your vaccine strategy is not working well, or do you mm -hmm. have any suspicions on that something is wrong in your farm related mm -hmm. with this vaccine, uh, what I would do is to try to to, to establish the average daily weight gain of, for example, the, the, this batch and compare it with the previous one. Okay, just mm -hmm. to see if everything is going well or not. If it's not going well or it's lower, uh, lower average daily weight gain compared to the other ones, then I would start a kind of a diagnosis and try to see if you have any animals suffering from the clinical signs that I mentioned you before. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if this would be the case, then the question would be to try to uh, um, necropsize those animals that are in an acute phase of the disease, two, three animals, and to obtain uh, uh, tissue samples from uh, organ lymphonoids that I mentioned you that it was the target for the virus in order mm -hmm. to see if we can observe the lesions attributable to this infection. If this is the case, I mean, if we can observe moderate to severe lymphoid depletion in the lymphoid organs, mm -hmm. um, then we should go also to confirm that these lesions are due to PCV2 infection. And this does mean that we have to look for the virus within these lesions. Okay. Once we yeah. can confirm that the, the amount of virus in these lesions is uh, quite high, mm -hmm. we are sure that we are in front of a case of PCV, um, PC, uh, PCV disease. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the diagnosis of PCV, uh, a, a case of PCVD should be composed of three different points. The first one is the observation of clinical signs and uh, pathologic lesions. Mm -hmm. The second one would be to observe uh, moderate to severe histopathological lesions in lymphoid organs. Mm -hmm. And the first, the third, the, the last one, the third one would be to detect the virus within these lesions. Mm -hmm. And this detection can be done uh, either by in situ hybridization or immunostochemistry, mm -hmm. or even you can also uh, use a quantitative PCR that can inform you on the amount of virus present in, in these lesions. I see, I see. Um, and Let's well another hypothetical situation here. Um, let's imagine a farm and a PCR test was done and the outcome was positive um, for PCV2. Does that mean that the producer has a problem? 
Okay, in order to interpret the results of a PCR, we have to consider that the PCR is a technique, is a molecular technique that allows you to detect the DNA of a virus, okay? Mm -hmm. And there are two types of PCR. The first one is the standard PCR mm -hmm. that gives you information on the presence or absence of this DNA, okay? Mm -hmm. It gives you positive or negative. Mm -hmm. The other one is the quantitative PCR. The quantitative PCR allows you to quantify the amount of virus present in a sample. So in order to interpret the results, you should know what type of PCR uh, are you dealing with. Yeah. Uh -huh. If you have a positive or negative result, a positive by the standard PCR, this does only mean that that sample is infected with PCV2. This does not mean that you have a problem with PCV2 because, as mm -hmm. I mentioned before, it's really um, frequent to find animals infected by PCV2. Indeed, it's mm -hmm. it's the norm. The most of the samples or the animals will be infected during their life. So it's not being positive by PCR does not mean to having a problem. In order to know if you have a problem with a PCV2, you should go to look for those clinical signs, those lesions, and to detect the virus within the lesions, okay? Mm -hmm. You can have a serum sample positive by PCR to PCV2, and this does not mean that you have a problem. This does only means that the virus is in your farm. Mm -hmm. That is so absolutely normal. Yeah, so no, nothing to be to be uh, to be completely like help, but the quantitative PCR then, well, is the probably the method of choice because that can tell you whether or not you have a problem or not. Okay, the method of choice for doing a diagnosis, I mentioned to you before, is the triad of these three components. However, mm -hmm. uh, once you have to uh, detect the virus within the lesions, you can do the quantitative PCR mm -hmm. because we have observed that there is a relation, a link between the amount of the virus and the severity of the lesions. Mm -hmm. The higher the, the amount of virus, the mm -hmm. more severe the lesions are. Therefore, if you are doing a PCR and uh, they give you the CT value, that it's a kind of indirect um, approach to the amount of virus, mm -hmm. if this amount is really high, the probabilities of uh, that these animals are suffering from a PCVD mm -hmm. uh, is quite high. Okay. Yeah. So the quantitative PCR can be used to diagnose PCVD, but always in combination of the presence of clinical signs and uh, the histopathological lesions. Because you, you could also find a mm. particular animal that would have quite high amount of virus, mm. but uh, not showing any clinical signs. However, yeah, or suffering from something completely level, different. Yeah. Yes. At a group mm -hmm. level, if you have several animals with quite high uh, viral load of PCV2 in serum or even better in lesions, this can confirm the, that the, the, that lesions or those lesions are due to PCV2 infection. So the quantitative PCR is a, in, is a nice technique, but you have to uh, try uh, know, you should know how to interpret it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with many things in life, I suppose it works that way. Um, you briefly mentioned the CT value. Um, I'm not a veterinarian, so uh, teach me a little bit. What, 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 okay. what, what, why is that important to know? And what okay, is it I exactly? I will try to make it easier. The PCR technique is a molecular um, technique that uh, is uh, based on the amplification of the DNA of a, uh, of a virus, of a bacteria, of whatever, okay? And in order to detect this DNA, there are 
cycles of amplification. Okay, we are mm-hmm. increasing the amount of DNA to be able to detect this virus. The CT value is the cycle at which the DNA is detected. Mm-hmm. If there is low um, number of virus, you will have to do high number of cycles of amplifications. Mm-hmm. If there is high number of virus, you will detect it faster, mm-hmm. and this means that the CT value will be lower. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's inverse. A high CT value means low DNA. Yeah. A low CT value means that you have detected really fast in uh, early cycles, and this means that the n- amount of virus is high. Mm-hmm. So basically, what you hope for is a high CT value. Yes, you are hoping for this. Yeah, and this probably is linked to a subclinical infected animal. I see. I see. So, um, and what then is the meaning of a PCV2 PCR test or a CT value in evaluating the um, the infection pressure of PCV2 and, and how to impert, interpret that? Well, is with um, this is I was mentioning. It depends on the amount. I mean, for PCV2, it's not important to be PCR positive mm-hmm. rather than to know the amount of virus. If somebody is giving you uh, the information in city, you would expect that if you are, your animals are sick due to PCV2, you would have a city, a low city value. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's if it's a subclinical infected one, we'll have a, a high city value. Um, and if you want, these techniques are very useful in order to, to know when the, your animals get infected to monitor mm-hmm. the infection, okay? If you want to see in your farm when the most of the animals get infected, you could try to do some PCRs from serum samples to know mm-hmm. when the highest percentage of animals get infected and the amount of this virus. This would help you to know when the disease is happening and why, because mm-hmm. uh, although you have vaccinated your animals, if you if you can see some animals with those clinical signs that I mentioned, it's because something is happening. Then you have to figure out if the vaccination was applied too late or too early, or there are some other factors that are influencing the vaccine, the vaccine effect. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you would if you would do some PCRs to try to see when the animals get infected, you will probably know if your vaccination is applied in the correct moment. Uh, to get the highest efficacy of them. I see, I see. And can, can the CT value help you to determine the threshold between the, the clinical or subclinical disease? Uh, yes, as I mentioned, as I'm, we already know, the, the severity of the lesions is linked mm-hmm. to the amount, and therefore yeah. we try to establish which is the amount needed to differentiate between subclinical or clinical disease. This value will depend on the technique, because every technique has a different sensitivity and um, limits of detection. Mm-hmm. Sample is not the same if we are talking about serum samples, blood samples, or tissue samples. Okay, yeah. And also, uh, it uh, depends on which uh, disease are we talking about, if we are talking about systemic disease or reproductive disease. It all if, depends on the context again. Yes. If mm. we are dealing with a systemic disease, the one that is affecting to post postwinic animals, uh, we can use serum samples. And in these mm-hmm. serum samples, the, the threshold of the CT value that is uh, sometimes linked to an outbreak of the disease would mm-hmm. be 10 to the 8 copies of PCV2 per ml of serum. Mm-hmm. Okay? 
if you take samples from a batch of animals and you can observe that uh, some of them uh, have this this um, this high number of uh, amount of virus, then you should suspect that something is wrong in your farm. Okay, and I would encourage you to start a complete diagnosis set of this uh, for these animals. If you have already started doing this complete diagnosis, doing some necropsies, and you mm -hmm. apply the quantitative PCR in the tissues, mm -hmm. you have already observed the clinical signs and these two pathological lesions, and you want to confirm that these lesions are due to mycoplasma, I, sorry, <laughs> porcine sarcovirus, <laughs> sorry, um, the threshold would be even higher because the amount of virus in the tissues would be always much higher than in serum. Okay, mm -hmm. in serum would be 10 to the 8, and while in tissues can be 10 to the 10, 10 to the 11, or even higher. Okay, I see, I see, I see. And, um, well, what I remember of PC, the PCR testing is one way to establish whether or not there is a pathogen on your farm. Um, then ELISA is never far off. Um, is ELISA a method that you could use to, well, um, for PCV2 diagnostics as well? No, the ELISA technique measures the antibody response, okay? Mm -hmm. And these antibodies can be due to um, maternal um, immunity when the cells are transferring the immunity to the piglets, mm -hmm. uh, can be also induced by vaccination, mm -hmm. okay? The vaccines are able to yeah. elicit an antibody response or can be due to infection. Mm. The, pro <clears throat> the problem is that we are not able to distinguish these three types of antibodies. Mm. So we are not able to know if we are detecting the antibodies, we are, if they are due to vaccination or mm. due to infection. Dep yeah. depends, depending on the age at, uh, from which uh, you are taking the blood samples, you could establish if they are from vaccination or not. But the ELISA will give you very important information on the antibody levels or on the immune response uh, of your animals, but mm. you will not be able to help you in diagnosis the disease. No. Okay. And ELISA is also a bit of a longer term method, right? I think a PCR test will give you information about the situation yes. right now. Yes, the information is giving you if the sample that you are testing is positive or is infected or not with the virus. The yeah. ELISA is measuring the antibody response that it it takes uh, some two weeks to three weeks to to be um, to sort of convert. Yeah, yeah, and by that time you may have a completely different situation on your farm again. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, correctly. So all in all, the 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 the, the, the ten million dollar question, I think, uh, what would be the correct approach for diagnosing PCVD presence? Okay, so <clears throat> first of all, is uh, you should. Observe your animals. I mean, uh, observe your animals and, and have a reference of your performance in your farm. Uh, if you see that something is wrong, that your animals are not growing as always, or the average daily weight gain is lower than the, the mm -hmm. you're expecting to, um, apart from observing some animals that they are poor doers, um, uh, paleness or uh, wasting problems, then you should start. Um, the complete diagnosis of PCVT, okay? And as I mentioned, it was the best option is always to look for animals that they are in acute phase mm -hmm. of the disease, not the chronic ones, uh, no. the, the acute ones, and try to um, 
to, sacri- to, to necropsy, uh, necropsy uh, two or three animals to obtain mm. samples from these animals, lymphoid uh, tissue samples, okay, and uh, to be included in paraffin and to be analyzed by histopathology. Uh, and again, if the, in these tissues we can observe that the lymphoid depletion, that the, the, the system, the immune system is compromised, then we look for the virus. If the virus is present in a moderate amount in these tissues, in these lesions, we can confirm that we have a problem with PCVD. Very good, very good. And um, in the past few podcasts, we've also been talking about um, sampling, mostly in relation to uh, PRS virus. Um, how to do correct sampling with uh, well, in practice? How, how would you collect that and send it off for sampling? What, what to look for? What methods to use? It depends on the objective. If mm. the objective is to to perform a, a diagnosis of, of animals showing clinical signs, as I mentioned, it would be uh, to perform a necropsy and mm-hmm. to obtain lymphoid tissues and lung samples, mm-hmm. and to um, to include it in in, in formalin. Okay, yeah. I guess this should be sent to the laboratory. This would be in case you are, are interested in knowing if the clinical signs you are observing are due to PCV2 infection. Mm-hmm. But if you are in, if you are interested in knowing a little bit more on the infectious pressure of PCV2 in your farm, or when the, most of the pigs get infected, you could also take blood samples in order mm-hmm. to do some PCR as a monitoring monitoring technique, not diagnosing technique. Okay, so mm-hmm. this would imply only to take blood samples that can be either used by ELISA in order to know the immune response elicited by the vaccine or by the mm-hmm. infection or by PCR in order to see when the animals uh, get infected. But always this should be coupled with a proper diagnosis of the infection. Okay, thank you. And uh, one uh, one thing that I wondered about, a little bit off topic, is that uh, I noticed in your biography you're also doing research to PCV3. Is that virus something we need to worry about at all? Okay, so um, this is really a, an interesting uh, question because um, we have been working with PCV3 uh, during these last years and we thought that it was um, it would be more or less like PCV2, that they would mm-hmm. behave uh, somehow similarly and we are seeing that there are some differences. Uh, PCV3 is also an ovicutus virus. We can find it almost in all the farms and most of the animals will get infected. Mm-hmm. But but uh, it is um, linked to different disease rather than PCV2. We are observing that PCV3 uh, can be linked uh, more frequently with reproductive problems than PCV2. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of a higher uh, increase of mummified and stillborns and abortion uh, problems, we have detected in in different cases. But what we know we don't know is the prevalence of these cases. I mean, uh, still mm-hmm. we don't know yet uh, if it would be a really problem in our farms or not. We know that uh, it can co- cause these problems, mm-hmm. also can cause some wasting problems. But the lesions that I've from these uh, wasting and reproductive problems are different from the ones uh, devoted to PCV2, okay? So we we know that it can cause some problems, but we still don't know if it will be important or not for the production, uh, for the swine production uh, system. We still uh, need to explore more cases and to do Mm. more epidemiological studies to know the frequency of these cases due to PCV3. Never. 
Nevertheless, in cases of reproductive problems, uh, we think that it is interesting to include PCB3 in the differential list of pathogens able to cause these uh, problems. For sure, this is this is nice to be to be done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but so far, I think producers don't need to well immediately be enormously alarmed. No, just like no, with no, PCV2, no. if PCV3 no. would would come out of the test. No, 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 absolutely not. It's not. Um, I guess it will not be that important as PCV2. We don't know yet uh, the, the the extent of these problems. It it's able to cause some problems, but yeah. not for the moment at the extent of PCV2. That makes sense. Well, I think we've covered most of the things. So one last question I have. Have the dogs outside uh, behaved well? <laughs> I didn't hear them anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Now they are quiet. Maybe they, they have already had uh, lunch and they are quiet. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. I'm pleased with that. Uh, so at least we don't have a lot of background uh, background noise there. Um, Dr. Sivila, I thank you very much for being with us today. That was very enlightening. Um, as said, soon we will get back to the topic of PCV2, and then we shall talk to your colleague, uh, Dr. Joachim Segales, um, uh, also attached to Irta Kresa, and then we shall more talk about the epidemiology um, of, of PCV2. Um, that is one more podcast I think you don't want to miss. And for now, I would like to thank you, B, for being present with us today. Okay, thank you very much. It was a pleasure for me. Yes, it was a pleasure for us too. And I'd like to thank our listeners as well for being with us. And hopefully you will hear more from us soon. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.